0: Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film The Best Years of Our Lives. One minute of screen time per episode. I'm Richard Dunham from Ghibli Minute.
1: I'm Chieko Dunham, also from Ghibli
0: Minute. And this week, we're joined by a guest.
2: I'm Richard's sister, Melanie Greenberg, and I have the YouTube channel, ProDaisy Reviews, where I review Indian cinema.
0: Thanks for joining us this week, Melanie. It's hard to track you down, but uh, (laughs) 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 through my uh, extensive network, yeah, the correct people reached out.
2: (laughs) Very lucky. Well... This is super fun to be able to do this podcast week with you, and uh, I had never actually seen this entire film. I believe I had seen clips from it in the past, but Richard knows that the Oscars are like my Super Bowl or World Cup, and I'm kind of a completist. I've tried to see as many Each year when Oscar nominations come out, I try to watch as many of the films as I can. And so this is one, you know, it's like it has so many Oscar nominations and wins. It's uh, one of the highest number, you know, so back from 1946.
0: It's kind of a sweep.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely what we would call a sweep. And it has a rare distinction in that it's the only instance where an actor has won two oscars for the same role because the the academy the people didn't think that howard russell the actor in the film who was a novice actor but he had you know the prosthetic uh, hands in the film they gave him an honorary oscar but they he also ended up winning the supporting oscar actor
0: both in this both in the same year like they would uh,
2: in the same yeah. year, at the same ceremony and then he there's another trivia starting in the 1950s, the Academy made every nominee sign that they would not sell the, their Oscar statue and that they would offer it to the Academy first, you know yeah. for the Academy library. And Howard Russell in the 1980s, his wife was very ill and he sold his Oscar. So he was, since it was 1946, it was before the, the 50s when they instituted that. Mm-hmm. And the Academy has looked down on that, but his, his view is like, my wife's health is more important than this Oscar statue. So it's, you know, so he's, there's a lot of Oscar trivia that goes um, along with this film.
0: I remember there was, I can't remember which year it was, but uh, when I was, one time when I was watching the Oscar ceremony live, they had like um, a gathering of like, everybody that had won maybe like a, a supporting role. And uh, right. he was there. Oh. And I remember like he obviously stood out because because of his disability. Right. Uh, he was, uh, right. and just because he was kind of like a novice actor, you know, everybody else is somebody I had heard of. And this this was kind of an amateur actor. So that was my first, I think, exposure at all to this film. I can't remember which year that was that they had that in the Oscars.
2: Yeah, I mean it's, I mean it's interesting. This wasn't the only film that he. Had. I mean he's not even in the minutes that we're talking about, yeah. but this is these aren't the only films that he did. And he even did a film called Dogtown. Oh gosh, I mean I think it was in the 80s or 90s or something. So he did one late in his life as well.
0: Not the uh, not the not the skateboarding one. <laughs> oh, he did no, a, a different No, No, he he did did not. not There was a movie called like Warriors of Dogtown or something that Uh, that Melanie and I are both thinking of. (laughs) (laughs) That's not not that one.
2: Not that one. But um, relevant to our minutes this week is that um, Samuel Goldwyn, the producer of this film, read an article about the difficulties that veterans were having, assimilating. He read this article on Time Magazine, and he actually commissioned McKinley Cantor to write this screenplay. And uh, so our minutes don't have Howard Russell, but he also saw a documentary that Howard Russell was in about rehabilitation of uh, soldier, veterans. And and so that's why he, he purposely picked, you know, so, I mean, it was like handwritten part yeah. for him, but it's kind of an amazing cast that they've assembled you know it's a lot of really big actors and i actually um the this first minute involves the beginning of a phone call
0: yeah let's and i just say let me just say i'll let you get back but i'll just say today we're talking about minute 71 which starts with uh, millie stevenson al's wife telling him gosh you've gotten tough and it ends with al greeting A Mr. Milton on the telephone. Okay, to go back.
2: So I was just gonna say the three veterans in the film are the minutes that we're gonna talk about this week highlight the difficulties of two of the veterans Al Stevenson, um, played by Frederick March, who won the Best Actor uh, Oscar, his assimilation. And then Fred, played by, uh, so Dana Dana Andrews Andrews, is in our last two minutes. His difficulty um, not wanting to return to the soda jerk job that he had at the drugstore. So what's unusual here is uh, Mr. Milton at the bank wants Frederick March's character to come back to the bank. He wants that cachet of a medal-winning veteran to come and add that shine to to the bank. And this is the well-off family. And so what's... what's, uh, so they live in a very nice apartment building. This The setting of Boone Town is supposed to be a stand-in for Cincinnati. Yeah. And the scenes previous to this breakfast have shown that Frederick March's character is having a difficult time integrating back with his family. He has two children, he has a high school-aged son, and he has a daughter who's already working as a nurse in a hospital. He says that he's he's been married 20 years, and yet uh, I'm not exactly sure how old his daughter is supposed yeah. to be if she's working as a nurse at the hospital. I, yeah, yeah. I'm
0: <laughs> thinking probably like 18 or 19. Yeah, guess. maybe.
1: Yeah. As I watched this film, I was worried about her age because the other veteran...
0: Yeah, she's developing this relationship. You know,
1: they have this relationship. And I'm like, how young is she? That's a little concerning. (laughs) Right.
2: Well, I mean, the actor, uh, Dana, uh, you know, Dana Andrews is probably older, but he's supposed to be probably playing somebody in his early to mid 20s at most, I would think. So not a huge, huge distance. But anyway, Frederick March himself, the actor was, I think, 49, and I think he's supposed to be playing someone in his mid-40s at least. But Myrna Loy, who is supposed to be mother to actress Teresa Wright, is only 13 years older than the the actress playing her daughter. But anyway, we don't see Teresa Wright. Uh, We don't see the children. So this breakfast is immediately after as soon as he arrived home... He he there's that awkwardness and he, he there's not really alcohol in the house and so he's like let's go yeah. out on the town and they, and there's a whole montage of them going from nightclub to nightclub with his wife and his daughter. A little strange.
1: Yeah. Yeah, to do that. <laughs> I like she their daughter is driving them around everywhere and I'm that's an interesting Well, uh, you
0: know, you've been on uh on the fish lot. I
1: have, <laughs> I, have. On the lot
0: I have, I have, so. I have.
2: So Chieko, you're gonna be the designated driver uh, once the COVID I is mean, over, taking <laughs> taking take your dad around I the town. I do have my
1: license now, so that's not out of the picture, I suppose. Um,
2: it... But anyway, there's all this awkwardness, yeah. and this, and and they they finally had just embraced right before this clip. Yeah, the, the husband this and is... the wife. And so, yeah, this, it's like that they finally, This these minutes are when they're finally connecting and in sync again, is what I uh, kind of felt like.
0: True. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh,
2: yeah. She's, yeah. Like-
0: <laughs> She's in her house coat. And I believe this is like, they went out and then uh, she kind of put him to bed and he got up later than everybody else. But I believe this is right after... It's not explicit in the movie, but I think they've spent some time in bed together in the morning. Yeah. And oh, yes. She is, uh, she's in her house coat. So I think like, she's like not fully dressed again after that is.
2: Yeah. Chieko, do you not want that robe? Like, I'm like, that is a serious robe. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the it's. The belt and the whole
1: thing. For a house, for like a house coat, I would wear that. Just. I'm
2: Pretty glamorous. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: I get home from work. You just put the house like, yes.
2: <laughs> it's nineteen forty six. We're just supposed to manage, manage. Imagine in our minds that they kissed passionately, and now they're they're having breakfast. Yeah, because she had awkwardly brought him this breakfast tray yeah. into the bedroom, and then now they're he's eating breakfast at the yeah. table. So obviously, forgot that. Started over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: I can't remember if she was wearing this house coat uh, when she brought in the breakfast, or this is you know, an obvious change of clothes. but uh, oh, I don't remember. I remember, I don't either. remember. I... Anyway, yeah.
2: But, uh, I, I mean, what I just noticed is, I can't remember the name of the cinematographer, but he what I was reading is that he was really known for deep focus. And so when she walks to answer the phone, which he tells her, don't answer that. You know, I mean, it's like he doesn't want reality yet you know what i mean he just kind of wants to live in this uh bubble of being home and he's like don't answer it and but she is still in focus walking into the next room and picking up the phone and he is in the foreground of the shot eating finishing his breakfast and so it's kind of that it's most noticeable the cinematography of all of these levels of focus And the final scene of the film, the wedding scene where we're seeing different people highlighted both in the foreground and the in the background. But I was like, I was kind of, after seeing that, I was kind of looking for it in this minute shot that we had to talk about.
0: Yeah, there it is. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I had probably seen this once before. I'd known about it because of that. But then when I was in the mid-90s when I was living overseas... And I was on this video rental binge just like to, so I could hear English <laughs> at some point during the day. <laughs> so one of the things I did was I, I like found like every William Wyler movie in the mm. in the local video store. And so this, uh, I think, was probably part of that. But I hadn't seen it probably in at least like 25 years or so. Uh, but Chioko and I watched it. About, yeah, and I like, yeah. I mean, so here we get Myrna Loy. Myrna Loy, one of my favorite actresses from the classic Hollywood era. Probably my favorite role of hers, obviously, is from the Thin Man movies.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: but uh recently, like, uh, I think uh, a few months ago or maybe last year, I watched. So in, in this stage of her career, this, this is, and the, the Thin Man roles is very much this kind of all-knowing kind of partner wife to uh, mm. some kind of irascible cynic but very and she also i think a little bit later after this she started in cheaper by the dozen so again very much kind of very domestic very you know competent homemaker type roles earlier in her career as as wikipedia put it she played she was cast as either a vamp or an exotic And so one of my other favorite roles of hers was in The Mask of Fu Manchu, which is this crazy, like explicitly racist movie like off on like the protagonist and the <gasps> and the villain like the villain is on a, a a mission to destroy Fu Manchu is on a mission to destroy the white race and then like all the protagonists oh, are like you know they're just looting all these architectural treasures and kind of on the boat on the way home they're kind of debating which one of these like you know precious Chinese artifacts are evil that we should chuck over the side and which ones should we take home to our museums but Myrna Loy plays the sadistic daughter of Fu Manchu
2: <laughs> yeah oh, <wow. laughs>
0: it's it's pretty great <laughs> it's, it's...
2: <laughs> yeah I think I think the thin man is the one that like you said is the most memorable for me of any role that I have seen her in Chieko, I'm kind of curious. I don't know how many classic movies you've seen with your dad. Did How did the movie seem to you? Did it seem really old and the acting really mannered? Or h- how did you um, kind of respond to it? Um,
1: so I, I was definitely interested, invested in the movie. It just was a lot longer than I <laughs>
0: <It's>, <laughs> expected long it to one. be. Yeah. It's a long one. It's a
1: long one. Um, I haven't watched a lot of classic movies, I don't think. I think like the most classic I can think of is like Gene Wilder, but that's not very, that's not too far There were a couple back. moments,
0: I think, in this in this week, which reminded me of uh, Miracle on 34th Street, which is probably probably the, the big classic movie that you've seen. I think yeah. you watched that wow. I, a couple times.
1: I don't even remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be frank. I don't wow. even remember it. But um, I'm doing, I'm part of a production of The 39 Steps by Albert Hitchcock, so there is... I was doing a little bit of research because I wanted to get this accent down for these movies that they usually have. It's very transatlantic. Mm -hmm. So the acting, which is a totally fake accent, totally made up, because it's the midpoint between the American accent and the British accent. And acting around this time was like, that accent is how to properly speak on stage, on film. So watching this kind of gave me the idea of like, what the acting requirements were around the time, were like, the acting standard. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because it's watching this and then watching something more modern, you can definitely see that transition of the, I guess, art of acting kind of evolve. And this is, like, one of the first iterations of that on camera, which was really interesting to watch for me.
2: Right. It's not as mannered as some other classic yeah. films. It's it's striving to be more natural, but yet it's still I mean,
0: these two actors that we're seeing definitely came from that yeah. tradition. They've you know Yeah. I'm watching right now I- I'm in the middle of watching Merrily We Go to Hell, which is um nineteen thirty two movie with Frederick March. And it's, you know, one of those nineteen thirties. It's kind of the Great Gatsby, kind of a, right. the end of the Great Gatsby era, but everybody still has that transatlantic accent. So, yeah, these... I don't know how much these actors were given direction or just naturally inclined to, by the times to change yeah. that.
2: Well, I mean, you had Howard Russell, again, not in our minutes, but just an example of someone who didn't come yeah. from an acting background. He was a complete novice, and so... He- he is completely natural in his scenes because he's just playing scenes as if he, it was himself. And so, but yeah, I think, I think some of these, the whole patter around the phone call and whatever, just it, it likens to some of the other more mannered kind of films. But yet there's certain scenes that they kind of break through and it is a much more, especially emotional yeah. scenes where I felt like it really breaks through and, and has a more natural style. But yeah, definitely much more different than today.
0: And also like Hoagy Carmichael kind of provides one of like the emotional centers of the movie. And he's definitely not a mannered actor. I mean, he's a musician and he kind of presents himself as kind of like a low key kind of image, not the. Yeah, uh, not the. Yeah the the banter like the uh, right kind of like the typewriter type banter exchange that we yeah. get between that was, you will always get with Murnau right and Floyd,
2: exactly. <laughs> right there's a good way to put it kind of the typewriter kind of back and forth yeah
0: uh, the other I uh, just uh, in my Wikipedia reading about Murnau Loy one other bit of trivia in 1934 Loy appeared in Manhattan melodrama with Clark Gable and William Powell. When gangster John Dillinger was shot to death after leading leaving a screening of the film at the biograph theater in Chicago, the film received widespread publicity with some newspapers reporting that Loy had been Dillinger's favorite actress. So there you go.
2: Mm. Our Chicago That's connection. There
0: right. we go. Uh <laughs> we talked about you talked a little bit about the cinematography. One of the things I found interesting, just I can't figure out this apartment they're in. This. The doors? <laughs> The well, one of the things you see is like they're in some kind of sunroom breakfast nook, but they've got like these slanted bars over their faces, like when they're sitting there. I don't know what I'm. Sh- I don't know if that's like intentional, but I'm sure it's like it's you know it's there. <laughs> I don't know what it represents. Yeah,
2: well, yeah. Well, and when I saw the Wikipedia article, they that talked about that the the size of the yeah. sets was more life and I, I didn't quite get what they were saying that it was
0: we'll see that lit in the drugstore later this week for I sure. mean I
2: don't know if it just meant that certain rooms felt much more intimate and not wide open for cameras I, I don't know exactly know what what they meant by that and I guess I don't really get the contrast to what might have come a couple of years before or something so um, another interesting trivia well it's more in the next minute when they're on the phone together with Mr. Milton but this reminded me of It's a Wonderful Life and so I was wondering when the two films came out and this film came out in November of 1946 and um, and then It's a Wonderful
0: This was the Christmas movie.
2: Yeah and then It's a Wonderful Life came out a month later. So I was kind of thinking some of the things were
0: Was it? I thought it came out in the summer, didn't
2: it? Uh, I think it came out in December and then it got wider play in january so i think i don't know if they had the same academy rules that they do now that a film had to release in new york first but i think films rolled out they didn't have the Uh, simultaneous necessarily release that they do now it was you know limited number of prints or whatever and it would come from town to town so but anyway so i mean but they're definitely of the same same time some of the, it gave me some of the same feels, I guess. So we're also recording this um, a few days after Veterans Day. That's right. And I just thought it was really important. I mean, it was really significant that we were watching this film about uh, veterans. Our grandfather, who we'd never met because he died even before our mother was born, was a veteran in World War One. Yep. And we have some letters of his from when he was in France. He was an ambulance driver. But I think this is one of the first times on film where they dealt with some of the issues of veterans and um, they didn't have the name for it of post-traumatic stress disorder, but they're definitely showing that with one of the characters. So, I mean, it's interesting. It's like an issue movie. We certainly had modern day movies about veterans, but not really, I can't really think of one that's quite recent. It's it's not something that's been dealt with. I, I take that back. There was that one with Brad Cooper where he played the sniper.
0: American right? Sniper, I think, yeah. And then a yeah, couple of years before yeah. that was Hurt uh, Locker. Yes, yeah. It was a big one about, you know, kind of the inability to integrate back into the civilian world.
2: I would think that the Hurt Locker scene in the supermarket yeah. would parallel the drugstore scene that we're going to see in, uh, in a little bit, in our in our minute coming up in a few
0: a little bit yeah so i guess just going through this uh frederick march i hadn't really seen him in anything else like i said i'm watching this other movie which was like much earlier in his career like 14 years previous to this one but um it's kind of hard to tell but in this in this movie he's he's a fascinating it's a fascinating performance he has this mm-hmm. kind of restrained frantic energy
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he it he gave me this air of um, like knowing that he's probably the one most put together, but he like bec- after the war feels so disorientated and unnatural in the bank where he's working later on in the movie. I get the sense that he no longer feels like he belongs, and that's a very interesting thing to try and portray as an actor. It's a great performance. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think I think the scenes a little bit before our minute where he's first come home and once the joy wears off, it's like he realizes how his family has moved on. They didn't stay kind of in the same place that he pictured them in all the time that he was gone. And. He can't believe like that his daughter is out and in the working world already, and and so forth. And so it's like he you could see he's the one that really relies on alcohol yeah to kind of cope. You know, he, he is, and he has, I think he plays a really good drunk, actually. You know, someone trying to hold it. T- yeah, he's
0: yeah. definitely in this other movie that I'm watching is also he plays a drunk, which is, kind of, I mean, it was kind of the trope at the time,
2: but yeah. I mean, definitely uh, that slurring, trying to hold it together, but not really holding it together, and every, and and Myrna Loy is that kind of like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you know, just this kind of this long-suffering wife kind of. I'm, I'm just, I'm here for you, but oh my god, <laughs> like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna say next?
0: <laughs> so this, again, I'll just say a couple words. This, the layout of this apartment, I can't. I think this is a fireplace right in the middle of their of their apartment. breakfast. Yes. So the, I think like the the room with the telephone that she goes into. The answer is like the study or something. I think the the actual fireplace is there, and so we're looking at like the brick, like the back of the fireplace. I'm trying to remember like a, I guess there was a the condo that yeah. we had in the what where you were we were living when you were born, which I don't remember. The city. <laughs> we had a gas fireplace.
2: Chiok, I don't know why you don't remember that. Yeah, um, on.
0: you only really were it's two whole years. You were there.
1: I mean, gosh.
0: <laughs> I mean, I live. I remember the, apart, the apartment I lived in for two years in Japan. It's two years of my life. I know. It's I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree. I can't. I can't quite get the layout in my head of what yep. this apartment is. And then the kitchen was really, really tiny, and I kind of don't know. Where it fits off of this sun sunroom yeah. kind of where they're actually eating, and I can because there's an earlier scene where the other characters are eating at the kitchen table. Yeah, and yet and yet here he man of the house is not eating there; he's eating someplace else. That's sort of interesting yeah. too. Yeah, and they've
0: got not brick, not just by the fireplace, but like the back wall. It's also brick. It's yeah, it's a weird. It's weird. All right, okay. Do we have? A lot else to say about Al, this character, but definitely I can address it in later minutes. Anything about this minute? Anything more about this minute that we want to cover? No, I think...
2: Again, he's the one veteran that's being sought out for a job. And that that Myrna Loy's character says that Mr. Milton has been calling every day that week.
0: Every day.
2: Knowing that he was coming home. And so that is in stark contrast to the other veterans that we see in the film.
0: He says, if it's the War Department, I'm out. So is that, I kind of assume that that was just like a flip joke. Like he wouldn't really be expecting a call from the War Department, right? He's just like, yeah, he's just making that joke as I can't think of who else would be contacting. He probably thinks it's for her, right? Why would anybody be calling for him since he's been gone? Right. For some years.
2: And also because all of the characters, uh, all the three veterans end up flying home. They come before everyone is expecting them to be there. So, Yeah, we, we I guess we're
0: going to talk a little bit about that. Al's coming home from the Pacific Theater. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Fred, the name of the pilot?
1: Fred, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: He was dropping bombs, I assume, in Europe in germany yeah
2: in germany Mm. yeah
0: so i don't know why they're how did they wind up at the same airport airport like was fred being moved to the pacific theater
1: and then the war ended and and... then
0: the war ended so they both wound up i get the impression that i think there may have been some reference that they were in portland yeah but i didn't i mean they're for to me they're coming from two different oceans like fred should be coming from the east coast so i didn't the whole geography of that flight at the beginning of the movie didn't make a whole lot of sense to me but
2: yeah well i'm
0: willing to look past it
2: yeah we just have to go with it (laughs)
0: yeah they're going to what is the name of the town boone
2: city boone Boone city boone town yeah boone city
0: all right anything else we can wrap this up
2: Yeah, we've got two two more minutes with this uh, scene. So, yeah, I'm kind of holding my (laughs) fire on a few things, too.
0: (laughs) Okay, so, again, thanks, Melanie, for uh, being our guest. Can you make it back tomorrow?
2: (laughs) I can make it back for our next minute in the best years (laughs) of our lives, the best minutes of our lives.
0: (laughs) Okay, listeners, you can find the Best Minute Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play if that's still a thing I think it's the YouTube music, YouTube now. music uh, now, yeah. or at the main site thebestminutes.com social media is available at Butch's Place the best years of our lives listeners cafe on Facebook and on Twitter at thebestminutes and uh, please join us here next time on the best minutes podcast
2: hey joe you better hurry up out Deck, because she's taking off soon right thanks come on taylor